0: Hey everybody, what's up? This is Manny here with a little Vibe Talk and Sneaky Peeky, and of course.
1: I'm Vic. Hello.
0: And we are going to be talking about a couple of our favorite shows of all time, Breaking Bad. And Better Call Saul, which is better than Breaking
1: Bad, I feel like. That's my hot take.
0: Getting right We're into it. Right all right. <laughs> right. So before the takes get too hot, just want to uh, say thanks for listening. Wherever you're listening to us, if you could give us a little uh, like, follow. Five-star review. Yeah, you know, five-star review. Share it with people. Well, that'd be really appreciated course if you want to reach out to us with anything vibe talking at gmail.com We've got our twitter our threads our instagram
1: tiktok
0: tiktok We're good, good vibe cinema youtube totally good there. vibe cinema all of that stuff Anyway, I think that these shows are really important because I don't know that we would be doing this if not for how much those shows have inspired us.
1: I also feel like Saul was one of the first things that we talked about, like, when we became friends. Yeah. Oh, you watched that too? Yeah, the new season's coming out. I feel like that was, like, the start of things, too.
0: Yeah, because by the time we met, Breaking Bad was no longer on the air. They had already completed their run. I was still living in L.A. when that show wrapped up. But Better Call Saul, that started airing right about the time that I moved here.
1: Okay. It was like what, like halfway through like season three or something like that when we met?
0: I feel like the show started airing in like 2017, so they were on their third season by then. So that sounds about right. Do you want to start with Breaking Bad first or we want to start with Saw and then work our way back to Breaking Bad?
1: Ooh, okay. Well, I watched Saw before I watched Breaking Bad.
0: Interesting. So
1: I I had seen a few like random episodes of Breaking Bad because my sister had watched it, and so it'd be like it would be on, and then I would come and go, and like she'd watch like eight episodes. It's like like the tale of something or like you know. So I was like familiar with it, but I hadn't like watched it and I wasn't like oh yeah that was a good show but like I wasn't like super into it and then I started watching Saul like right when it came out like I remember watching like the first episode and like just immediately being captivated by it because it's such a character driven show which is like what I'm all about so I got super into the show and then it actually made me want to go and watch Breaking Bad and I remember when I got to the Breaking Bad episode with Saul yeah, and I was like what? Like, he looked a lot hotter on Better Call Saul. Like,
0: <laughs> he looks like he shit. He looks really
1: different. Yeah. I think the character Saul, like, when he's really playing it up in Breaking Bad, like, that character is very sexy, very much my type, you know? Actually, Saul is, like, literally the top of my list of my, like, fave, like, celebrity crush or whatever. Like, <laughs> I fucking love him. But, yeah. Bob
0: I, Odenkirk's definitely one of those actors who, he was a traditionally handsome man uh, when he was younger. I already knew him from Mr. Show. But uh, he's definitely gotten better with age. Oh my god! All right. We'll, I
1: saw a great. We'll we'll have skip, that conversation offline. It, okay. Okay.
0: If listeners out there haven't seen Mr. Show, watch Mr. Show. And if you've got Netflix, you can actually watch with Bob and David, which was kind of like a it was a revival of Mr. Show.
1: Is that a more recent thing? Yeah.
0: So it has a lot of the same writers, a lot of the same castmates, and a very similar humor. The original HBO series was great. But Better Call Saul, as soon as they said that you know Vince Gilligan is going to do a Better Call Saul series, I was just like, I'm in. I'm absolutely in. And it did not disappoint. Like, absolutely none of it disappointed. And I think where Saul really exceeds, Breaking Bad walked so that Saul could run.
1: I agree. I totally agree.
0: But it's also interesting because the landscape and the way that you're able to consume these shows really changed a lot between when Breaking Bad started and when Saul finished. And what's kind of interesting are the people, because I don't think Saul ever actually like achieved the mainstream popularity that Breaking Bad did. But I think in terms of critical acclaim, it eclipsed it.
1: Yeah. I feel like Breaking Bad was just such a hot topic, like when it got big, you know, it was like, oh, we've never seen a show like this and like, this is, you know, and I'm not saying it wasn't like a groundbreaking, like amazing show. It absolutely is. It's a great show. I feel like as like writers and like as a team, like everybody just, it was very much a learning experience. And then they applied all of those things to Saul. But yes. I feel like Breaking Bad just culturally had such a moment, you know, like everybody was like, oh, see. Not Breaking Bad, you
0: know? Like, yeah, well, because at the time, I think the only things that were close to what Breaking Bad was were Sopranos and The Shield. And, like, after I finished Breaking Bad, before Better Call Saul started, I went back and tried to watch The Shield. This is good, but it just is inferior to Breaking Bad. And, of course, Sopranos is, is Sopranos. Yeah, but the whole genre of a dramatic series with some comedic elements based on an anti-hero main character like a very bad anti-hero main character someone who's doing pure like evil they're doing terrible mm-hmm. stuff even Saul. and it's crazy because oh, i would not say Saul is evil I would, say <laughs> I would
1: say he's a problematic fave
0: i don't know there's there's some stuff that he did like some of the things that he put kim through Was was a bit. What he put Chuck through. We
1: need to talk about that. Definitely. What he did to Chuck.
0: What he did to Chuck, though, and it was it was purely out of self interest. Like he gas he gaslit Chuck so hard that Chuck lit himself on fire.
1: All right, all right. (laughs) Was it good? No. (laughs) okay here's what I have to say you have to get over how
0: attracted you are to the main character
1: no hold on hold on okay which
0: which (laughs) I will say like I I think Bob Odenkirk even when he was what was his name when he was living in Nebraska
1: oh Gene oh Cinnabon Gene yeah okay okay let me just say first he was still like he was
0: still like you know what he's he's a good-looking guy but but Kim oh Oh, my god I know she's dream woman yeah
1: time. it's literally okay you know how I said and I'm it's like, funny
0: because between between her and his wife on breaking bad skyler yeah skyler vince gilligan has a type mm. very much has a type
1: i totally feel you i feel like that's gonna be a controversial man. <laughs> i think the audience is gonna be like whoa okay just I, to clarify that i'm gonna just throw it out there yes bob odenkirk's very handsome man but like i'm very much attracted to the the character oh yeah because like i feel like his vibe is that's honestly that's my fucking type is like i love the showy the slimy you know like i just think all of that is so hot me my reaction to orgasm of like who's this producer (laughs) like i have a type i definitely have a type but then he's he's like oh but he's really like a good guy like he loves his wife you know i love that i love that so much I feel like what I love so much about Better Call Saul though is that I had a little bit of a hard time getting into Breaking Bad. Like the first time I watched like the first season, it didn't immediately grab me because I was like, I hate every single character on this show. Like I'm like, everybody's crushing it. Great writing, like interesting characters. And I know that's the point is like that everybody's kind of shit, you know? But I was like, I'm not rooting for any of you guys. So it's hard for me to be like pumped on the show. As it got going, I ended up love Skylar. Controversial opinion, but I fucking hate Walt. But that's the thing that I feel like about Saul is like, I felt almost the complete opposite watching that show. I like and feel for every single person. I feel like that's what makes it so good is Chuck and Jimmy are both flawed people. And like, I'm very sympathetic towards both of them, you know, but it's like, they're both being super shitty and it's like there's not like a clear bad guy you know i feel like every single one of those characters you can feel for them in a different way
0: well and i think that's a big difference between walter white and jimmy slash saul is that with walter white it was stated throughout most of the series that The reason why he was doing everything, the reason why he was willing to go to the depths that he was willing to go was because he didn't want to leave his family in a bad position when his cancer eventually took him, which did turn out to be bullshit. And when it's revealed that it's bullshit, it's not like this big shocking thing of like, oh my God, it's more like, yeah, no, we could see that. We could clearly see that. Whereas with Saul, it's something very similar, but the dynamics of it are different because you really get the sense that Jimmy is a talented enough attorney in his own right that he had a fire lit under him to where he could never get his brother's approval. And he actually goes out and proves that he's a damn good attorney. He's a damn good litigant, but he rejects all of that because that's not the life that he wants. He realizes that what I'm really, truly good at, what I'm special at is being able to deceive people and to just manipulate them, work things around to where you think that he's an illusionist in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And it's really incredible to watch. And that's, that's the thing is like Vince Gilligan had to make Breaking Bad first. In order to perfect that formula, so when he got to Saul, it's just, you there's so many episodes Saul. where it's a fucking masterclass. Yeah. And then also just the way that he does tension, the way that he like displays evil characters. The ultimate villain in Saul, that actor just...
1: Wait, who is the ultimate villain Saul?
0: The guy that comes in when uh, Tio Salamanca gets incapacitated. Oh,
1: Lalo. Lalo, yes. Oh, God, I love him. And the
0: actor who plays him is so good. He's so charismatic. Also very hot. Yeah, there's so many many good actors on it. What's his name? Uh, Nacho. That actor is fantastic. And he wasn't even like, that's the crazy thing is like, I'm watching him and I'm just like, I know for a fact this guy's not a Breaking Bad, but he feels like he's been here the entire time. And of course, most of Better Call Saul is actually a prequel to Breaking Bad. He wouldn't have been in Breaking Bad because he didn't make it to the end of the series.
1: They are so good at like their cohesive world. Yes. Because that was something that was honestly like one of my biggest issues with Breaking Bad. I really did not like the last season. It really, or basically like after like Gus was out of the mix. You know, because it, it felt like they had, like, such a solid thing. And then it felt like they were like, oh, I think this show's, like, over. And then they're like, oh, wait, it's not over. And then yeah. they, they're like, we gotta bring in some new guys. And I'm like, no, like, let's just focus on, like, okay, your main villain is out. But then, like, focus on the family tension or focus on, like, I hated the ending so much because I felt like... It just bothered me that all these new randos came out. Oh my god, and then like in El Camino, that fucking hot guy that was on the mic that was like the main antagonist of that. When he's like, you don't remember me? And then it's like, "Guess he wasn't in it! And then it's like the flashback where it's like, oh, wait, he was actually standing just out of frame and he was there the whole time. It's like, are you fucking kidding
0: me? See, if you play video games, like, this happens a lot in video games. To where they'll they'll have the main game and then they'll have like DLC, they'll have like sequel stuff, and then all of a sudden it's just like, oh no, this character has actually been the one that like was was behind the scenes all along it and it's like they literally so like aren't
1: much and like that's how I felt with the whole last season of Breaking Bad like with fucking Uncle Jack and his whole posse or whatever like I'm like, who the fuck are these guys like why are they getting so much screen time? like I don't give a shit about these characters and like... there's a
0: reason for that too. the reason for that is that they were originally going to end the series like Vince Gilligan when he had the master plan, the finale of season four, when Walt's like on the phone and he's like, I won. Like, that was going to be it. That was going to be the ender to the series. And then I don't know if it was it was all him, if it was AMC studio, but they were like, hey, you've got to bring this back. We've got to have another season of this. And they're like, all right, let's, let's see how we can do it. And they did season five. And season five, like compared to a lot of other so- shows... It's so much better than anything else that was out. I remember like at the time, you couldn't just stream it all at once. Mm -hmm. Like you had to sit there and wait week to week. And they did the thing, like they were one of the first shows to do it to where they're just like, oh yeah, we're gonna have our final season. But we're going to split it up. You're going to get eight episodes first, and then you're going to get another eight episodes six months later, or three months, whatever hour or long it was. I kind of don't love that. No. I'm not fan of that. And it's, it's so crazy that for so long, when people would watch shows, it would literally be like, you have to wait until the season starts, and then you get one episode a week, and then... Once the season was over, whatever the unresolved storyline was, guess what, bub? You got to sit here and wait months before you get any sort of resolution.
1: I honestly do like that, though. Because I, like, don't have TV. Like, I don't have, like, weekly shows to watch, you know? I always just have stream. But, like, I got AMC when saw like with air you Mm -hmm. know so I could watch it every week and it was so fun and it was fun having something to look forward to and it was fun like having oh come over and watch (laughs) it and then like afterwards being like oh that was crazy like you know like it's fun like I just watched fucking every episode of Righteous Gemstones like last night while I was sending emails and I like didn't even pay attention to it. Yeah that is
0: that is like the downside of like having everything like immediately available Although, like, Max, with with those shows, I do know that they won't put them up until they broadcast, Mm -hmm. so you can't just, unless the season's already done, you can't just binge all of them. Mm -hmm. But uh, I know that I wasn't super ecstatic about the tension of watching the episodes of Breaking Bad and then with, you know, the final few seasons of Saul, to where I'm sitting here and I'm watching the episode and there's all the shit that's happening. And then I'm just, I can see on the little time tracker. Oh, that it's, it's almost like,
1: over. And you're there's like, two minutes left not, in the episode. And there's not so gonna much to get resolved. What's going to
0: What's gonna happen to Nacho? Are they going to find him? Is he going to get away? What's, I got to wait. Too tune in next week and yeah. find out. I don't know if you ever did the thing where you sit there and immediately afterward, like, you watched the trailer for the next episode. Yes. Or like The worst thing was for a while, you had websites like Seppenwall Wall and a bunch of other stuff to where they would break down the episode that you watched and then there'd be comments and people speculating. They're like, well, you know next week what they're gonna do. With Game of Thrones, it was the worst. Because people would literally predict what was going to happen. And then
1: it would be, they were right.
0: Yes. And then they would be right. Just so spoil. basically you'd spoil the show. And like that was the big thing for me is like when it got to Saul, I was like, you know what? I'm going to not read stuff about it. Yeah. I'm going to watch the episodes. And then when I feel like I want more, I'll rewatch the episode until the next episode is up. Yeah. And then the way that Breaking Bad ended, even though the fifth season, like, yeah, there was a lot of, there was a lot of filler to it, you know, like. Jesse Plemons, he's he's a friend of friends of mine. An awesome dude. Really he's really chill, really laid back, and he's so perfect in that role mm. because he's evil without being like it was kind of an interesting contrast to Gus. Because mm. Gus was very cold and calculating, like almost like reptilian to a point. And it wasn't until you got Gus's full backstory that you're just like, okay, he's evil, but I understand how he got this way. Whereas Todd just was just a weird straight, weird straight up dude. sociopath. He just, he doesn't feel anything for anybody. Yeah. Like the way that he shoots that kid and then he can't understand why everybody else is upset. He's like, I did the right thing. I don't know why you guys are mad, but- um,
1: I love that he in El Camino is listening to Dr. Fox. Yeah. Well, as he's driving, I'm like, oh wait, I actually love this song. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, why, why is that the song they pick for him to be listening to?
0: Like. There was some great, that's, that's one thing about both shows is there's some great music that came out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Crystal Blue, Persuasion Oh, is, a bop. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a regular in the rotation. Yeah, it's a great song. But I feel like the ending to Better Call Saul was so satisfying.
1: It was. I was so worried that I wasn't going to like how it ended because I felt like the show was just perfect the whole time. I was so excited with the beginning of the last season. Like we went up to LA and we watched it like early in the movie theater and the cast was there like talking about it and like, it was like one of the coolest things ever. It was so exciting. Oh wow. And that opening montage of the suits and the like, finally seeing Saul's house and stuff. And like, I was just like, oh, this is going to be the best show ever. Like I was so ready. And then I felt like there was a lot of stuff in the last season that I did like, but then I also felt like kind of the pacing was a little, little janky like it either felt like I'm down with moving slow you know I feel like the show has always kind of had a, a slower pace mm-hmm. and but I feel like if they were going at that pace it's like okay give us a whole nother season and then it kind of felt like the last couple episodes they were like oh shit like we actually have a lot of stuff we need to do really quick you know so that that bothered me a little yeah. bit
0: there's a little bit of dragging then all of a sudden it just felt like you're getting like yanked
1: yeah and and there was stuff that I wish we had scene like we didn't really get to see that much of him and Saul you know like I feel like I had unanswered questions with Kim and how things played out with them because it goes from like them having that horrible traumatic fight to then like oh and then they got divorced like years later and so I'm like wait but what happened in the middle like did they you know I don't know I would have liked well, to see more of that
0: yeah um, but I feel like it kind of it was true to life there. Things sometimes will just fall apart. Like you'll have a relationship and then things will start to go bad. And then you feel like, oh, I can fix this. And the next thing you know, they're gone. Yeah,
1: it that honestly- And it's because they
0: come to a realization. I'm just like, I can't me. do this
1: anymore. Like I was like gonna literally cry watching it. It made me sick to my stomach, like watching that fight. Like it yeah. broke my heart. And I was so happy- When he's
0: on the payphone in the phone booth like, calling her in Florida. <gasps> And just you don't hear like the conversation you just Mm -hmm. see his reaction and it's just like damn that said so much without saying anything
1: and i was so happy with the ending because i just briefly we're talking a lot about Saul, but like breaking bad it really bothered me with the ending because i i felt like it was so neat and tidy plot wise but Mm -hmm. like emotionally not satisfying for me at all i think breaking bad should have ended with the episode where he takes the baby and he's having the fight with Skylar and things are really escalating in the house. Hank just died. They just found out like, to me, that should have been the ending. Skylar maybe like kills Wald and gets like arrested. And then now the son is stuck with the baby. And it was so funny. Connor said to me, I was like, this is like one of his like most iconic takes. He's like, that's how Breaking Bad would have ended if it was a play. And I'm like, okay, true. <laughs> and I like that better because to me, like that would have been, even though like a, up ending, it would have been an emotionally satisfying ending because it's like, Walt's whole thing was, I'm doing this for my family. And then to see him like actually destroy his family. That would have been, I think, a really like, damn, that's what happened. You know, like, I I think that would have been really good. And I wish they would have gone there. And I feel like instead what they did is they're like, okay, the emotional relationship between him and Jesse is like, there's no coming back here. So he's going to go physically save him because emotionally he can't fix it. So let's physically, he's gonna fix it. He's gonna shoot the bad guy and he's gonna be the hero and he's gonna die, but like die in a bliss of glory. Like, you know, it just, it really bothered me. Well, Um, and and
0: there there were a lot of people that pointed out that Walt did not deserve the ending he got. uh It feels almost like they did that more so out of respect for like what Brian Cranston did with that role. Which was fucking phenomenal. Like yeah. Walt
1: is such a good character. I
0: hate him. Well, like, there's so but... many great characters on there. Cause like with Jesse Pinkman, originally that was gonna be a character that I think they were gonna kill him off like early in season two. Mm-hmm. And they just recognized, like, no, this is a good dynamic. We fucking found a diamond with Aaron Paul between his acting and the writing we're doing for this character. And it was such a smart decision because he really is, like, he's the next best thing about that show. And then they get to Gus. But even, like, before that, when they had uh, Salamanca, the crazy one. Oh, Tuco. Tuco, yeah. Like, Tuco. God, that guy was... That actor was so great in that role. And it's crazy because I saw him in, like, a Blumhouse movie a couple years after... And he's playing like a priest, and he He was like so like calm and reserved in that role. And I'm just like, no man, like this guy's a psycho. And yeah, it was good to see him come back in Better Call Saul Mm -hmm. because he's so fucking scary. But even scarier than him, well, the twins.
1: Oh yeah, they're great too.
0: Scary, but it's hilarious because I kind of feel like those guys, just in real life, are just a couple of cut ups. (laughs) <laughs> you know, because uh, that's the thing about Vince Gilligan and the way he cast the shows, the actors that he used. Like he used some like really great comedic actors. Brian Cranston was most famous for his role on, on Malcolm in the Middle.
1: Which I actually loved that show growing up. My parents would watch it all the time, like as it was airing. So like when I was little, it was like just always on.
0: Yeah. I mean, Bob Odenkirk, Mr. Show saturday night live he worked with conan o'brien i think he also did like the ben stiller show you know and here he is playing this like i mean he's hilarious but it's in a dramatic series and And i feel
1: like he brings the drama too like there's some like heartbreaking moments on that show oh yeah he fucking nails it
0: as good as he is on breaking bad he's so great in better call Saul. but like so many other comedic actors sprinkled throughout the guy who played uh, Hank's partner.
1: Oh, yes.
0: He was a stand-up comedian in oh, freaking Albuquerque. So, like, it didn't even like need to be like a known comedic actor like somebody with comedy chops and it's great because it's easier for a comedic actor to play a dramatic role than it is to get a dramatic actor to do comedy.
1: I think that's very true and I also feel like so much of, I mean, I don't know, like stand-up but like, you know, just comedic, like, character acting. It's you know like you were talking about with the movie we were just watching like they're playing it straight but it's like this situation is ridiculous you know and it's yeah. just big I feel like a lot of comedy is just big acting like i'm so upset or i'm so excited about this or just like just playing everything like 200 percent. because i I mean we talked about it a lot like i like overacting i like quote unquote yeah. overacting like big performances i like big performances and I feel like taking like comedians and being like, okay, this is the situation, play this authentically, you know? It's like, they're just gonna give you a really intense reaction, yeah. which I think makes it more dramatic. It, like, makes it more exciting. You yeah, because
0: like the hardest thing in comedy is like understanding timing. And if you can understand timing and then you just understand like, okay, I can take things all the way up to 11. Mm-hmm it's much easier to then reel it back to find Mm -hmm. that like exact point. And then it also helps when you've got great writing, you've got great direction, you know, you've got an all time great, like one of the best showrunners of all time. So that really makes a big difference. But yeah, you know, there's so many good things and so many good actors and so many good roles throughout the show.
1: I loved listening to the podcast too, like talking about how they would that, would, that was fun. Like the episode would come out and then like the next day the podcast would come out and so I'm like, oh, tell me about it. Like, Yeah, you know. and again,
0: that's one of those things where like like the way that we consume media started to change. Like yeah. there was so much more like interaction. Like you could tweet at people that are on the show and, cool. and you know, have the podcast and, and you would have people who worked on the show. I know like Vince Gilligan was on an episode of the Nerdist podcast, and like he mm. did a bunch of other stuff. So like all of a sudden there's a lot of access to it. I got a little bit more access than other people did just because I had several friends who worked on the show. That's I so fucking cool. I auditioned for the pilot oh of God. Breaking Bad. Yeah, oh. I auditioned for the role of Jesse. No, um, <laughs> the the first uh, drug dealer that that Jesse works for. Oh, Crazy Eight. Crazy Eight, his cousin. Okay. That was a role I read for. And unfortunately at the time, like I just, I went in and I feel like I did an okay job on the audition, but obviously not good enough to get cast on the show. But then I had like friends like Caleb Landry Jones. He had a role on the show. He was one of Walt Jr.'s uh, schoolmates. There was another guy. Drew Waters. He was in an episode... Jesse Plemons and um, Charlie Baker, Skinny Pete. It was just so wild. Because again, like that was another role to where he was just going to be in one episode. He was just going to be one episode, a couple of scenes. And Vince just loved him. And like the writers were just like, hey, you know what? You know who we could use in this scene? Skinny Pete. And they would just keep bringing him back. All the way to the point to where they made sure to include them in the finale. And he came back again for El Camino. That was
1: like one of the only
0: good parts of El Camino. Yeah. (laughs) The relationship that Skinny Pete and Badger had, like, it was so great. Yeah. Like, my old podcast that I I did, one of the ways that I described it, I was like, you remember that one episode where Badger and Skinny Pete are discussing alternate versions of uh, Star Trek episodes? Oh, yeah. That's what this show is about. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. And, of course, the main reason that we decided to talk about this specific subject, besides our massive amount of love for the show, was um, Mark Margolis, who was... Great as Tio Salamanca, he passed away recently, and he actually plays a role in a movie that we are going to be discussing—the
1: opening of *Misty Beethoven*. Yeah, and we had actually decided to talk about that. We've been—that's been on our watch list for a while, like pretty much the whole time we've been doing this show. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually heard about that film from a friend of mine who was. She's a big fan of the director because he did a lot of like mainstream european films and like she just liked his his regular quote-unquote regular work and then was like yeah he apparently was doing porn at one point i'm like wait really and i like looked it up and i was apparently this movie is like the crown jewel of the golden age. Like it's a hugely like successful, influential, like crossover effect mainstream kind of movie. So I'm like, okay, we like this is a this is a big name, like we gotta cover this movie, yeah. you know? And then after Mark margolis passed, like we saw the, the Rialto report posted that he was in it. And we we're like, yeah. wait, what? There's like legit actors in this movie. <laughs> but that just goes to show you what we're always talking about. That these are films, like legit actors, talented writers, talented directors, like a group of creative people coming together with a vision and like making something really pushing boundaries of what a film could be you yeah. know and so seeing like that an actor in one of those films like ended up being a very successful mainstream actor like that's fucking badass like good for him I yeah. love that
0: well and and it's not like it's not the only time that there's been a mainstream actor who did appear in one of these films but yeah like if you start looking at the career of Mark Margolis like it's it's pretty incredible. Like, he's got a solid career. Like, just, he was a fantastic character actor. Interesting tidbit about him. And it's actually the same for, I really wish I could remember the actor's name, but but uh, the actor who played uh, Tuco did not speak Spanish.
1: That's wild. Yeah. He fucking rocked it.
0: They were excellent in it, and, you know, rest in peace, Mark Margolis you know, definitely go check out opening of Misty Beethoven. So that way when we do talk about it, like uh, you have a reference. And then also shout out to Rialto Report. It's amazing, like all the little, you know, tidbits and like interesting facts and just good content they put out. I love their show, so. Yeah.
1: all kinds of cool interviews with people that were involved in the film, some really deep dive, like backstories of people and the history of what was going on, and like it's super interesting. It's so yeah,
0: good. And really humanizing it because it's so easy to just, like, when we talk about like binging these shows, like people that are only connected to the show through just being, you know, part of the audience they don't think too much about the people that are on it the people that make it you know there's kind of the assumption that the people that you notice the most on the show that they're doing well they've got good careers and they're well compensated and everything obviously that's not necessarily the case with the ongoing writer and actor strike (laughs) but even more so when it comes to pornography the adult entertainment industry it's so easy to just be like hey it's it's an attractive body for me to look at but there are real people behind it it's really cool that there's there's a show out there that's completely dedicated to humanism and we try to do that to, to some regards but they're really good at what they do so yeah. we're trying to stay be good at what we do
1: stay in our lane
0: <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> shoot this is going to be a little bit of, of a long one but uh, anything else you want to add just that the playing of solo is perfect yeah very,
1: very satisfying.
0: two huge thumbs up and if you haven't watched Mr. Show go watch Mr. Show it's definitely worth watching All right, do it. All right. Bye. Vibe Talking is available to download and stream everywhere you find podcasts. Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you like what you hear, make sure to like, listen, subscribe, and share it far and wide so they can keep it rolling. Vibe Talking, a good vibe cinema production.